Hello, my name is Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey. I'm running at large for the Board of Education, making sure all students have quality, accessible, and equitable education is my priority. It would be an honor to serve our community as a member of the board. Vote Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey for BOE during early voting or on primary day, May 17th. Paid for by Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey for BOE. This should be played at high volume. Vickers blocking his teammate, white flag this time, one to go. He's got to block two teammates to win it though. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pit Stop here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. We're back, and Bowman Gray Racing is back on Saturday nights. Our good friend Randy Pettit joining us to go through the results, the storylines, uh, major things that happened Saturday night. And we, lo- we look at the results here, Randy. The, the biggest thing to me, um, we look at the winners. Danny Bone took home the modified win. Tommy Neal in Sportsman. Brian Sykes in Street Stock. And then Tyler McDonald and AJ Sta- AJ Sanders in stadium stock. But the thing that's striking me going through these top tens is there's not a whole lot of the the usual suspects or the uh, the power brokers, if you will, up up in the uh, up into play here. You're right. Well, uh, hello everyone, and it's great to have Bowman Gray Racing back to talk about. We certainly missed it. Uh, a lot of storylines this year. Uh, the most anticipated season opener at the Madhouse in probably 30 years. A lot of reasons why, primarily new pavement. And I think that factored into um, to some of the heavy hitters, if you will, uh, not being up there closer to the top on Saturday night. Uh, it, let's start with the Hayes Silvers 200, the main event for the for the uh, Modifieds at Bowman Gray. Just like the big boys, Bowman Gray starts out with their longest, most prestigious, and richest race of the season, so everybody was uh, over there for several weeks on Saturdays trying to figure out the new asphalt, and that kind of leveled the playing field. You could throw your notebook out the window, the one that Burt Myers and Tim Brown have used to dominate over there for the last three or four decades, and that leveled the playing field a little bit. Now, that's one aspect of it. Aspect number two, Danny Bone, the 2014 Bowman Gray champion, came to Bowman Gray with a new car. He had been racing over there uh, in a car that was 30 years old and, and Tim and Bird and a lot of the other competitors had new or fairly new equipment. So Bone showed up with a new car. He qualified well. And I told the folks that were there filming for Flow Racing that you give me Danny Bone and give me the defending champion, Jonathan Brown, I'll give you the field. And those guys both showed up. They qualified in the top three. Uh, Jonathan Brown had a little bit of trouble, but Bone, he dominated the Hayes Jewelers 200. And Brett, did you know he's the first Northern-born driver to win the 200 at Bowman Gray since Jerry Cook in 1980? The Southern boys have had it sewn up for a long, long time. Yeah, and it sounds to me like this. This we're getting into very Northern, like New Hampshire modified kind of territory here, aren't we? With 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 somebody like Danny Bone coming in here with a, with a new piece of equipment, I would guess he took a lot from from what he learned racing up there. 
Well, Danny finished fifth in the Turkey Derby at his home track in, at Wall Stadium in New Jersey, which is uh, kind of a high-banked a high clone of Bowman Gray, if you will. And one of his primary sponsors, the folks at North American Construction, just said, look, son, it's time for you to get a new car. And they put their money where their mouth was and helped Danny put together a new car. And man, he showed up at Bowman Gray and put a whooping on them. And by the way, uh, when we got there on Friday, there were three modified teams hilariously that showed up with the number 51 on the side of their car. Now, the guy that ran the 51 there last year, uh, Drew Moffitt, got to keep it. And the uh, the rookie, Junior Snow, who moved up from stadium stock, uh, changed his number to 61. And he was driving an orange car. So there you go, Richie Evans fans. And then Danny <laughs> Bone changed his to the 57 car. And that was the first time that the number 57 had been in victory lane at Bowman Gray Stadium since Johnny Bryant of Bassett, Virginia, put it there. And for the older Bowman Gray fans, they'll know that uh, Johnny had 22 modified victories at Bowman Gray. 15 of those came in a number 57 car. And uh, that was uh, only the second modified driver to ever win at the Madhouse in the 57. And oh, by the way, Johnny Bryant won the very first iteration of the 200 back in 1975. So it was kind of cool to see some of that history uh, kind of come into play on Saturday night. Yeah, if anything, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in that last instance, it, it pretty much came full circle. But, uh, I mean, you said it, it, it the, this new pavement, I mean, we, we see it at all levels of, of NASCAR where, where things, playing fields get evened here and there, no more so this year with the next-gen car in the Cup Series. But, just like at Atlanta, where we saw things get crazier than they ever have when they repaved it and changed the configuration, I think it gets lost on a lot of people, the effect, especially in this style and this form of stock car racing that uh, a new set of pavement can have. It, 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 it works as an equalizer. It and does. it did in all, in all series, not just the Modifieds. It does, and and we saw a few teams that maybe aren't ordinarily up front run better at the Madhouse. Eventually, the top teams did rise to the top. You know the old saying, the cream rises to the top. Um, one thing of note, there was a bump going into turns uh, to the south turn. The, the track calls it the first and second turns. I call it the south turn. I, I think Bowman Gray's got two turns, one in the south end of the facility and one in the north end, but that's neither here nor there. That bump going into the south the south end, uh, you know, that caused a lot of teams a lot of trouble, and they had to go to softer springs, softer shocks, and that really uh, wreaked some havoc for some of the some of the veterans that have been there a long time. For example, Tim Brown, he won the pole. He put together a fast lap for qualifying, but he got passed at like lap four or five, and, and Tim was never, never a threat to go back in front the rest of the way. Burt Myers, Burt qualified poorly, uh, managed a sixth-place finish, and uh, both Tim and Bert are two guys you figure being the top five of that race, and they were nowhere inside of the lead. So, and congratulations, by the way, to Tim Brown. That was a six hundredth, six zero zero. That's a lot of modified starts at the Madhouse, and you know he got the pole, start number six hundred. You know, backed into a seventh place finish. I'm sure they'll go to work on that car, and I look for him to to be one of those guys to beat in the twenty five lap races this Saturday night. Yeah, that 25-lap sprint's going to be fun this Saturday night. We'll, we'll preview that uh, in the second part of the program. Uh, good for Tim Brown. He's always, He's got to finish in the top 10. That's a sponsor, longtime sponsor, 
Hayes Jewelers there. He's almost exactly. obligated to, obligated there, to at that point. There were a bunch of those Hayes Jewelers cars in the field, and another one, Jeremy Gerstner, the visitor from uh, the Tampa, Florida suburb of uh, Wesley Chapel, he came up and and notched the top ten finish. It was good to see Randy Butner have a decent run. He finished ninth, and kudos to Randy Butner as he starts his thirty fifth season of modified racing at the madhouse that's a long long time uh another little uh, nugget from the 200 brett um john smith the mayberry bullet a former winner of the 200 was looking like he was not going to have a ride for that race and the uh the team of mark dowdy they're out of southwestern virginia they've been putting uh late model champion dennis holdren in that zero seven car that they field as a tribute to speedy thomas who of course, one of the legendary car owners at Bowman Gray won many, many championships. And the Bayberry Bullet got in that car, never drove it before, qualified pretty solid, and finished fifth. So a good, a good effort for that team. Yeah, you said it right there. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about in regards to the new pavement, and you, you touched on the effect that it had on, on, on you know, guys having to go for, for new and different pieces of equipment. The one thing I think is going to be the biggest equalizer here is, especially from qualifying to, to race, tire wear, handling, all those kinds of things that go into, especially with a race like the 200, that was the longest of the season. That might have reared its head more than it will other times. But, you know, I, it's going to take some getting used to for guys to figure out and, and get the data from the from the 200 going forward here as to how the tires are wearing, you know, what the handling is like, what the track is like, if the temperature changes, if the modified race starts, you know, at a certain time and the temperature track cools a little bit, track might heat up a little bit how warm the tires are there's a lot of things that go into this with a new set of asphalt that could shake things up yeah i was kind of uh, i don't know if they were trying to snooker me or not but a lot of the top teams were telling me uh friday at friday morning friday afternoon they they fully expected to have to make a pit stop and change the right rear tire well guess what mr danny bone did not do that he, uh, he hopped out into the lead and held that inside groove, never got on the outside groove where there wasn't a lot of rubber there, but Danny ran a really smart race, managed his tires, did not have to pit, and, uh, well, he, he made a fool out of me because I knew he had a strong car, but I figured he'd have to make a pit stop, but he didn't. And uh, Brandon Ward, have to give him a shout-out, he finished second. He spun, he got he either spun or got spun, however that works out, uh, early in the race and recovered to finish second. And Jason Myers came home third, Chris Fleming fourth, and as we mentioned, John Smith finished fifth. Now, some teams did make a pit stop, and they were not able to take advantage of that restart cone because the outside groove, there's just not enough rubber out there yet for you to be able to do a whole lot of passing out there. And that uh, that played right into the hands of Danny Bone, who controlled the race. And it really hurt guys like John Hollum in the fourth and uh, Jonathan Brown, who are normally very aggressive going on the outside, that lane was just really not not ready to, to go racing yet. And I don't even think there's going to be enough rubber from it uh, this coming Saturday night. You know, for, for a 25-lap sprint that we're looking at here, you get one or two restarts. That, that, that one restart, even if it's the only one, could decide who, who wins the race. And you've got to figure out what line to pick and figure it out quick. And there's still not enough rubber down 
to really try and make a move on the outside. So I think if it comes down to it Saturday night, you're going to look at a lot of guys trying to muscle the other guy up from the bottom there, and uh, we're going to look at some beating and banging down on the low end of the track. There's not going to be a whole lot of guys pulling the Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, and scraping the wall. Absolutely. You know, I talked to Tim Brown, and he looked me in the eye and said, hey, I, I left some speed out there on the track from qualifying on Friday. So the last time they repaved the track, it took about two or three Saturdays for it to really wear in. And then the uh, the track record fell. So I think you're going to see a repeat of that. We typically have a really cool Saturday night somewhere the first three weekends in May. And I think when that Saturday night rolls in, that's when the track record is going to go down. Cool track, not cooler heads is usually how that works exactly. out. Exactly. All right, we'll talk about uh, some of the other results uh, from Saturday night in Sportsman Street Stock and Stadium Stock, and we'll preview what's coming up uh, in those series here in our next segment as well. The specials never stop at Blue Naples Pizza, an Italian restaurant. Every day, you get a large two-topping pizza for only $11.99. On Sunday, watch football and enjoy our large one-topping pizza and 10 wings for only $17.99 plus lunch specials every day of the week. Blue Naples Pizza and Italian Restaurant, 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Back here on the Pit Stop on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside our good friend Randy Pettit. Randy, we look at the other series from Saturday night, let's start with sportsman Tommy Neal getting the victory. I want to ask you, though, we talked about the, the effect that the new pavement had on the modifieds. What did it have on sportsmen and on street and on stadium in terms of the competitiveness? How did it level the playing field in those series? You know, tire wear, handling, all the things that we talked about. What were things that those teams were saying going into their races and what were the kind of things they were saying afterwards? Well, guys that I like to call bottom feeders, they're, they're the guys that like to hug that bottom lane in the turns. It kind of worked out to their advantage on Saturday night. And, and Tommy Neal is one of those guys. He's been over there a long time. Uh, he drew the pole. They had a full field redraw, and Tommy did not qualify all that great. Uh, but he, he got lucky, drew the pole. And once he was out front, he knew how to protect that bottom groove, and that was all she wrote. I believe he led every lap. If he didn't, he led almost every lap. And uh, if for the fans trying to remember at home, Tommy won the championship at the Madhouse. That was his second one uh, last season. And he ended up in a tie in the actual points with Zach Orr. But Tommy got the championship by virtue of having three wins to Orr's two. So Tommy really wanted to win that race and, you know, kind of start to pad the, those victories if he if he needed it. Um, I did I did see a, a few guys go to the outside in the sportsman race with mixed results. We had a couple crashes, and we had a few people that made it work. So, again, you know, another week or two, I think you're going to see a lot of guys in sportsman and street stock particularly go on the outside lane and make it work. Uh, shout out to Sterling Clemens. It was uh, 1980 or 81. His dad, Steve Clemens, won that season opener at Bowman Gray. And, of course, Clemens, one of the all-time greats at Bowman Gray, and his son Sterling had a great run on Saturday night, finished second. And Zach Orr, right back in the hunt for the championship, gets out of the gate with third. Uh, Justin Taylor, 
the 2019 Sportsman Champion at the Madhouse, finished fourth. And a good run for Wesley Thompson. He had a terrible year last year after moving up from stadium stock. He finished fifth. So uh, it, it was uh, not a whole lot of action in the Sportsman race other than guys taking shots at Tommy Neal and nobody had anything for him, Brett, on Saturday. Of all the you know usual suspects, main players that <clears throat> may or may not have had an impact Saturday night as it was expected to, one thing remained the same as it has throughout the years, as you said. Guys taking shots at Tommy Neal and swinging and missing time and time again. Tommy Neal, as Mike Joy once called Ricky Rudd, the master at avoiding disaster. That's that well would said. be Tom. That would be Tommy Neal right there. And you said, Tommy, that that you know that loves to hug that bottom line. He's going to have a lot more fun the next couple of weeks too. Yeah, and, and, you know, the neat thing about sportsmen is they, they get to qualify occasionally, but for the most part, they have to draw uh, to determine their starting positions. And and to be able to, to be in the hunt for that championship, you're going to have to figure out how to get your car to work on the outside. You're going to have to pass some cars, and we'll see if Tommy Neal and his team gets that figured out over the next couple of weeks. But week one, he didn't have to do it, and he just played it safe and stayed to the inside. And, you know, Tommy Tommy has a lot of experience at Bowman Gray. He's He's the most experienced driver outside of Ronnie Clifton, who, by the way, came back to the Madhouse, the eight-time champion, back in a sportsman car. That was cool to see. Uh, Tommy Neal, that was his 494th start. So he only needs six more races to get to 500. That was pretty cool. But that experience uh, is certainly going to play into things as we get into later in the season. Yeah, and that's a factor, especially when we talk about all the things, you know, that a new racing surface brings guys like Tommy Neal and some of the more experienced guys in both street and stadium stock. They're going to be leaning a, a law uh, upon a lot of that uh, to try and thwart off. Uh, what's a really good crop of young drivers. That's a good segue into our, into my next question here. There's a lot of younger drivers here, but both, both uh, men and women uh, in all three, in all four series really, but uh, mainly street and stadium stock. Uh, what are some younger guys and some newcomers that uh, that fans should watch out for this year? Well, uh, Taylor Branch, the uh, the former champion of Bowman Gray Stadium, his son, um, his son uh, is is racing this year, and he didn't get off to a great start. But Taylor has a lot of uh, experience at Bowman Gray, former champion, former winner, and that was a really nice looking car. And that young man's name is Carson Branch, uh, and he's in the number seven machine in Sportsman. So that's a young man to kind of keep your eye on. I, th I think he may uh, he may eventually find his way up there. And Chase Robertson, you know, Chase um, now has a full season under his belt and, and a partial season before that. So Chase, Chase Robertson, another of those young guys that has kind of paid his dues. And I, I, I would not be surprised at all to see Chase uh, win a race at the Madhouse this year. He, of course, uh, the son, one of the sons of Mike Robertson, and that Robertson family, one of the first families of Bowman Gray Stadium. And uh, in Sportsman, th those are a couple guys to keep your eyes on there. Uh, Wesley Thompson, Wesley looked good on uh, on Saturday night. He really struggled uh, the year before. He's a former stadium stock champion, still a young guy. And I think um, that's a guy to look out for to get his first win also this year in Sportsman. Uh, street stock, I'll be honest, I actually missed the street stock race. I had a plane to catch. And my, uh, my sidekick and uh, my helper there at the Madhouse, Randy Pulliam, announced that race. So I'll have to have another week or two to check out the 
street stock division to to see get get my thoughts there. Uh, in stadium stock, there's a whole crop of good young drivers in in that series to to keep an eye out for. Um, Wyatt Sapp, uh, Wyatt's not necessarily a teenager, but he won the rookie of the year at Bowman Gray last year, finishing fifth in the points. And that's a tough division to win the rookie battle in because it's it's so much competition there. Kyler Staley, second-generation driver, got his first win. He's another good one. Luke Smith. Uh, Luke had a really good battle with A.J. Sanders on Saturday night in stadium stock. And uh, A.J. got the best of him. Congratulations to A.J. Sanders, win number 50 at Bowman Gray Stadium. But look out for uh, to Luke Smith. Levi Holt, another great young driver in stadium stock. There's a whole bunch of them. I'm sure I left some out. Uh, modified, well, you know, we forget just how new uh, John Holloman still is. John John Holloman, you know, just just has barely a full season under his belt. Modified, he won three races last year, and I really believe that young man, once he figures out how to get the qualifying down on this new pavement, he to me that he's going to be the hottest young gun in the modified division. Certainly some guys to watch out for there, and you said it. Uh, sounds like stadium stock might be the uh, might be the uh, Bowman Gray version of the Xfinity series. <laughs> There's going to be uh, yeah. quite a few quite a few young guns uh, coming up and uh, trying to make some hay and throw some haymakers. Uh, before we get you out of here, Randy, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, we, we know Flow Racing has taken over the broadcasting uh, rights to the Bowman Gray races, but uh, I understand they also had some fun with you uh for an upcoming documentary that they're doing uh, on the Madhouse. They sure did. And uh, there's uh, the producers out of Arizona, and he just called me out of the blue one day and asked me if I'd like to help. And I was like, of course, I love Bowman Gray. And, you know, there's a big misconception across the country about Bowman Gray from the, some of the past television work that's been done there. Uh, there were no fights on Saturday night. There, there were not fans slugging it out up in the stands. There weren't people trying to kill each other in the pit area. Uh, that was a that was a packed house, well-behaved crowd. Uh, we had the wave going from front to back. It looked great. So uh, part, part of what I wanted to do was explain why people love Bowman Gray Stadium so much. And they took me now in the V's Barbershop. And if you haven't been there, it's a really, really nice barbershop right next to Noble's Grill on Nolwood Street here in Winston-Salem. And they put me in the barber's chair, had the cameras going, and and since I don't have any hair left, like my good buddy Desmond Johnson, uh, they gave me a, a really nice close shave. And it made for some good TV. They shaved off my mustache, and, and then we sat down with the cameras rolling and, and talked about Bowman Gray Racing. And I understand they also are going to talk to Tim Brown, John Holloman, Burt Myers, and the promoter Greg Harrison. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, I believe before the season's over, over, they'll have it available on Flow Racing for the subscribers. And uh, as far as having them there on Saturday night for uh, for their live stream, it was it was really no different than when the NASCAR Track Pass crew was there filming. Uh, the only difference now is you have to buy the subscription to watch it. And you know, for the fans that come to Bowman Gray, they're not going to stop coming. They understand. The real fun is being there. Man, you should have heard that crowd Saturday night. They were hot, man. They had me excited. You know, they were standing up and yelling and screaming. And there's, uh, there's just like hockey or professional wrestling or, or high school football or college football or basketball, there's nothing like being there. And, uh, you know, the flow racing deal is basically for people 
uh, like the Northern Modified Drivers who are curious about Bowman Gray. And many of the crews and team members have family members that are retired and living elsewhere in Florida and Arizona and places like that. They'll be able to watch a madhouse and keep an eye on it when they're not able to come to Winston-Salem. So uh, it was pretty cool to have America watching. We put on a great show for them. And the documentary, we, you know, we talked, of course, about the history of Bowman Gray and then some funny things, too. So look forward to sharing that with the world later this summer from the folks at Flow Racing. Yeah, two big things uh, before we say goodbye for this week. Um, number one, Flow Racing getting this deal doesn't you know take anything away, as you said, from, from folks showing up to the racetrack. The, the number one thing is still being there. I don't think that's going to have any effect on attendance like, like I've heard some folks um, some folks out there uh, are afraid of. Uh, number two, uh, you said it. Some of the, the two documentaries that have been done – uh, I believe History Channel did one uh, about 14, 15 years ago, and uh, Discovery Plus had one recently as well. Uh, but it's one thing we try to do on this show as well: uh, explain that you know Bowman Gray is not a, it's not the you know Hicktown get down club that uh, a couple of those shows made it look like. You know, it's it's a fun family-oriented, uh, racing-centric environment that if you haven't been there, if you live anywhere close by, or if you're just a fan of, you know, of short track racing or, or rural roots racing in general, if you haven't been to Bowman Gray, it's like, it's like one of those things you have to knock off the bucket list. If you're a fan of college football, you got to go to, you got to go to Kyle Field and College Station. You got to go to Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. You got to go to Death Valley and Clemson. Absolutely. You got to go to Bowman Gray and knock well, it off the list. Well, the mat, the madhouse, uh, Bowman Gray Stadium Racing. It's uh, for the folks that are local and have been there. They get it. They understand. But for people across the country, the thing I try to tell them. It's an experience like no other. It's, it's the masters of short track racing in America. It is um, not only the racing, but it's entertainment. It's like wrestling on four wheels. These, uh, you know, the outcome is not scripted and predetermined, but there is a lot of beating and banging. The tempers get hot. Uh, the fans get hot and excited. And, and, you know, whether you like racing or not, you could go sit in the stands and just watch all the people get all, get all hot and bothered about it. That, that's fun. The people watching is something I enjoy when I'm waiting for the race to end to talk to the winner, I love just watching the crowd, man. It's, it's a blast. And, you know, we, we had uh, a lot of passing on Saturday night, even though we had a slick racetrack. And as we get that new pavement in, uh, you're going to see some track records go down. You're going to see a lot of side-by-side -side racing uh, later in the spring and the summer at the Madhouse. So if you haven't been there, the red carpet's rolled out. Come on down. And it's full capacity this year, too. So uh, there is no reason for you not to be at the Madhouse every Saturday night that you can. Randy, bucks. thanks so much. 12 bucks. And the parking is free. Now, we're, you know, you can't hardly go to the movies for 12 bucks, and the parking is free. Brand new restrooms, uh, brand new concession areas. It's general admission, so you can sit anywhere you like. Uh, but it's kind of like church. Make sure you don't sit in somebody's seat if they got their blanket down, okay? Yep. That somewhere there is some regular that has their seat, and if you take it from them, just just be kind. Be a nice human. Come nope, on. Nope, if somebody's nope. blanket is there, if there's a seat cushion, there's a, a Dale Jr. You know Budweiser seat cushion there, just leave it alone. Yeah, come on down. Just don't move my blanket, okay? 
Yeah, no, don't don't move Randy's giant Jeff Gordon blanket. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's great to be back with you guys, and uh, you know it's always great to talk Bowman Gray racing. We look forward to uh, to a great season, and uh, look forward to being back with you guys soon to let you know what's happening at the Madhouse, my brother. Yep, we will see y'all at the Madhouse every Saturday night, and we we'll see you here every week right here on the pit stop to break down what happened and what's to come. Thanks so much, Randy. Thank you to our producer, Desmond Johnson. Good night, everybody.